This is DVM Loading, a podcast about the life of professional students from a veterinary perspective. With your hosts, Carling Hemstreet and Caitlin Marr, we go through the daily life of being in veterinary school with a fun twist. Let's get loading! Hey listeners, this is Caitlin Marr with DVM Loading, here with our co-host, Carling Hemstreet, and our special guest today, Bailey King. First guest speaker on DVM Loading. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, we're all pretty excited. Uh, just a little catch up. How has your week been, Carling? My week's been good. Um, I mean, like we said last episode, we were kind of in the trenches with it. So we finished our physiology test and then we finished our anatomy test yesterday. And I think for all of us, it went really well. Um, so now we're just looking in the home stretch of epidemiology on Thursday, and then uh, we're home free with the TVMA conference um, in Houston. So we're pretty excited about it, or at least I am. I am too. Yeah. How has your week been, Bailey? It's been good. We're we're in the thick of it still. I remember when we got our schedule, and I looked at like this previous week and our current week. And I was like, man, that's not going to be a good time. <laughs> but we're almost through it. We got one more test to go, and then a nice break. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. It hasn't been the best time. (laughs) But as you can tell, we all survived the anatomy and physiology uh, pandemic, I guess. I will say, going from the anatomy test yesterday into anatomy lecture and lab today was a little rough. I wasn't too thrilled about being back in the anatomy lab uh, the day after the test, for sure. I don't think any of us were, honestly. Um, anyways, we wanted to introduce Bailey here today. She's one of our classmates, one of our really good friends. Uh, so Bailey, just to start off so our listeners can get a little bit of info about you, where are you from? So I grew up in South Lake, Texas. It's a, like, suburban town in between Fort Worth and Dallas. And then I went to college at Tarleton and lived in Stephenville for a while. And then I also lived in Gainesville, Texas for a while. Awesome. So tell us what kind of veterinarian you want to be. Right now, I'm thinking I want to go into equine and maybe do surgery. I'm still on the fence with that. And I also, like, one day maybe will want to do small animal, too. So I kind of have my horizons open. I'm I'm going to see what I'm most passionate about as we keep learning. Mm-hmm. And do you think that... Uh, like what you came into vet school thinking you wanted to do has changed from like the short time you've been in vet school or can you see it changing? I can see it changing. I going in I was like determined to do equine surgery and I still am really passionate about that and would like to do it but I don't know if I want to go to school any longer than this. (laughs) Amen. I can feel that absolutely. So Bailey uh, for our listeners who are uh, in undergrad still or getting ready to come into vet school what were some of the vet or animal experiences you had prior to vet school? So I started shadowing at a really young age about 12 years old and I shadowed during the summers and I was really involved in 4-H. I was like president of my club for several years and I did high school rodeo. So that was kind of my non-veterinary experience but with animals and I think that helped me learn more about animals in general and responsibility and all of those things you get from being involved with animals at a young age. And then just animal or veterinary experience. I only worked at a veterinary clinic after I graduated from college. And so I had a really short time frame of actually working in a clinic because I did summer school and I did a lot of academic stuff so I could graduate early. And I do think that having more working experience lets you 
have more knowledge coming into school than just shadowing. So going off of what you said, you graduated early. Would you recommend that to anyone? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I graduated in three years and I took a heavy class load and then I did summer schools every summer and it was good as preparing me for veterinary school because I took a lot of classes that were heavy science classes at a short period of time together. So that part was beneficial, but I definitely didn't have as much fun in undergrad as other people. And I think coming into vet school, like you don't have time to go party or whatever. And just like having more freedom to go hang out with your friends or take a lazy afternoon off and not do anything in undergrad would have been nice to have done that more. I didn't know that you graduated early. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So did you go straight from graduating undergrad into vet school? Mm -hmm. I graduated in December of 21. And so I had a couple months before we came here. Okay. So you had like the spring and then the summer. So like almost a year. Dang, kudos to you because I had a year. So I do, I was the opposite of you. I graduated in four and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> I took a victory lap, and uh, it was. I don't regret it at all. And the people that I've talked to that have uh, graduated in three years said that they wish they had just taken the four. Um, I have an older brother, and he graduated in three years. So I said, if my older brother can do it, I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it led you here, so we're happy yes. to have you. Um, it's just, that's crazy. I couldn't imagine going straight from undergrad to here. I I feel like I would be so burnt out. Yeah, I took my sweet time. I I took the four years and, and I worked during the school year and also did summer classes, but I liked to, uh, go on family vacations in the summers Mm -hmm. and I wasn't willing to sacrifice all of that. Plus, I don't think 21-year-old Caitlin would have been mature enough to come to vet school in reality. So kudos to you for coming right out of the gate because my gap year was probably the best thing for my career Mm -hmm. um, as a vet student because it just gave me some time to not be a student and be a human and actually remember that this is the profession Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about. Well, what's crazy for me is that my gap year I went and worked at that equine breeding farm mm-hmm. and then the small animal clinic and those are the only reasons that I actually got here into here at tech because I worked in a rural area because I'm from Austin mm-hmm. so talking with Sarah when about emissions this past year and we were talking about meeting the mission of the school with rural and regional areas um, like I'm from Austin and I and then I moved from Austin to College Station to go to school um, College Station isn't what they would necessarily call a rural area just because it's there for the school for Texas A&M so like me taking my gap year was like the only reason I'm here which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy but yeah I mean kudos to you Bailey <laughs> thanks that's hard <laughs> um we we brought Bailey on this episode for a number of reasons but one of the fun reasons we brought her on here was because she is really good at coming up with some funny sayings some funny ways to remember <laughs> some of the weird words in vet med (laughs) and so i'll let her um talk about some of that and carling has some too some pg-13 ones because guess what there are some r-rated ones but we will not be talking about those here (laughs) you can learn those on your own time (laughs) yeah so my study tips i guess to help me remember random things that we have to learn and I have a hard time just like remembering stuff, pulling it right out of my head. And so we make like little funny sayings to remember it. And Caitlin, I'm gonna test your knowledge real quick. Oh no! What, oh, test what time. does sprinkle enough cheese to bake go with? 
It's the high weight apparatus. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. It's she said, she put this uh, down, and I looked at it, and I was like, I have no idea what the heck this thing's. That means. was me and Caitlin's little saying for our last anatomy test last year for the basohyoid bone and everything in that little apparatus to remember the order of the bones yeah. in cartilage, and it worked. It did. <laughs> and then most recently, we just finished our, uh, I guess, large animal GI anatomy exam. And a way to remember the order and orientation of the equine gastric, um, I guess just, it's like a whole tangle. Y'all know the, the that. Colon. Yeah. And the colons. And so uh, four on the floor. And there's bands on the ventral colons. That is how you know that they should be on the ventral aspect of the animal. And if you're ultrasounding in the future and you see smooth on the bottom and rippled on the top that's that's not a good not thing good. You so. want saccularated on the bottom with yeah. four bands four on the floor well my ones that i have were um for our apaxial muscle system the i love tacos and tacos love me so um ilt from lateral to medial uh and then my cranial nerves um it's on occasion our trusty truck acts funny very good vehicle at home <laughs> and, and that's for your 12 cranial nerves that's the one that has some uh, r ratings but we're gonna keep that off uh you can google that on your own i remember last semester i looked at the 12 cranial nerves and i said there is no way on god's green earth i'll be able to remember all of these well guess what you fit it in your brain somewhere mm -hmm. with some weird sayings it's pretty fun yeah i gonna lie so Bailey, uh, today we're going to be talking about overcoming learning disabilities in a professional setting, and I guess just in general. Um, so my first question for you is, when were you diagnosed uh, with dyslexia, and how did that affect you at a young age? So I was diagnosed when I was six. I was in the first grade, and our school didn't test for it until the second grade, but my mom just thought, like, my learning was behind other students and she was like they need something like to help her be in school and like to do well and so she really pushed the school and I got tested and I had dyslexia and so since then I was put into a dyslexic course at my school and I went to a public school and they just started that program and so we it was me and just a handful of other students that were dyslexic and we went into this like classroom every morning and they basically taught us how to memorize letters and like the sound that that letter makes and so we had like flashcards and we would do them like every day and all sorts of little stuff like that but doing that class and um, learning all the skills that they taught us it was from first grade to seventh grade wow. helped me so much to read like I couldn't read for a long time when I was younger just because the letters when you're dyslexic the letters look different than your mind I guess it's the best way I can explain it and so you have to like memorize that this order of letters makes this sound and so that's how I learned to read and so now being in school and in veterinary school, when we see like new words in anatomy or physiology or whatever, I'll have to have somebody say them or like listen to my teachers and look at the word written out to be able to learn how to say it and read it. Otherwise, I have a hard time reading it if it's like a completely new sequence of letters put together. Like I would read it how it sounds instead of how it's actually pronounced. Mm -hmm. So did you ever feel that I guess when you were around six or so when you were first diagnosed, did you kind of have an inclination that you something was different? Like you weren't able to read or you weren't up to the paces, those around you? 
Yeah, I would definitely say that in a younger age, I had a harder time in school, and so I had to work harder for it. And I, going to the dyslexic class and having accommodations, like I would go in different rooms to be tested, and I still do that now. And so at a young age, everybody knows some kids are mean at a young age. And so Mm -hmm. there was definitely, like, some segregation between the kids who had accommodations who didn't and I made friends with everybody who had accommodations and who didn't and we just stuck together and it's what it is it built your character and you get over it because I'm thankful to have my accommodations and to have been in that dyslexic class like I wouldn't have wanted it any other way mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean you definitely had to learn a whole lot of um, resilience to be able to basically relearn how to read um, from the sounds of it, and then uh, be able to overcome, you know, all, like, the social, mm-hmm. um, like, things with being in school with public school specifically. Oh, yeah. Public school yeah. I didn't even know they had um, other programs uh, for dyslexic students mm-hmm. to where they would teach you those things. Uh, that's pretty cool it to was, hear. It was yeah, I'm glad you were able to get that support. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. I was, too. I'm so glad that the, that my school had it. I mean, I went to a big school. I went to South Lake Carroll ISD, and so they had enough kids, I think, to be able to put us all together and have resources like that for us, but it definitely, like, changed my whole learning career, and I don't think I would have graduated high school without a class like mm. that, for sure. That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. Well, good job. <laughs> um, like, really, truly, I, I have never had a problem reading. I read a lot as a kid, so I've never had to, like, overcome something like that, especially at such a young age that, like, I, I can't even, can't even compare. Um, but one of the reasons I know that we wanted to have you on is because, you know, learning disabilities or, like, people with dyslexia, dyslexia we never, I've never heard about anyone talking mm-hmm. about, like, being in a professional school uh, with dyslexia and how how that kind of affects them and so we've talked a lot about how you've overcome a lot of adversity so were you ever told you wouldn't be able to become a doctor just because of your your learning disability not specifically become a doctor or anything but I I have like teachers in the past like they would have said like remarks that made it sound like I was dumb or I wouldn't graduate or go to college or anything and so I think like being here I'm like I'm more educated than you now (laughs) (laughs) here it is and so that definitely like makes you feel good but I do remember when I was really young and I don't know if it was like right around the time I was diagnosed or not but my mom had printed out a list of all the scientists that were dyslexic and on the top of the Mm -hmm. list was Albert Einstein and I was (laughs) like well okay like back then I didn't know the significance of that but now I'm like well like there's all these big scientists people who have accomplished so much that are dyslexic like there isn't anything that can hold you back if you have any type of learning disability you shouldn't think that you can't do something you might have to work a little bit harder at it and put in a little bit more time and it's definitely going to be a struggle but it doesn't mean you can't do it mm-hmm. I almost think that um you know in your situation you're you for the rest of your life will always have a better chance at overcoming adversity than someone who's never had to face the same mm-hmm. trials as you have. Um, I think that it takes a strong person to overcome that and especially to become a woman in STEM. Like, that's just amazing. And uh, I think that's pretty neat. I think you're going to stand out and be a pretty, pretty badass person. <laughs> you already are. Yeah, but. I mean... It, and it sounds like your, your mom supported you a lot through mm-hmm. it and she really pushed you to... Um, to overcome that, which, I mean, 
it's just I like I'm sitting here like flabbergasted. Honestly, <laughs> I like, need to print out a picture. I've known Bailey since, <laughs> since we first um, started school, so like I've known you for like a couple months. But man, I feel like I'm learning a whole new side. Yeah. yeah. Well, and to note on that with my mom's support and my dad's support, like they would help me do like so much in school. Like if I wasn't doing good, they'd help me find a tutor or they try and tutor me and like. They pushed at a young age for me to get my accommodations and to go through the school and all that stuff when you're young because you can't do that on your own. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't have done it without them. And even now, like, if I have some big paper, like, I always send to my dad. I'm like, <laughs> can you please read this for me? And he does, and he helps me with it, and so does my mom. Like, they've always been so great with everything in my schooling and fighting for my dyslexia or anything and they always told me like whatever you want to do like you can do it you just have to work hard for it Mm -hmm. and that they're right like here we are right now so they're they're great and another note on to that too if you have a child that you think might have a learning disability or is dyslexic or anything have the school or whoever check it out and get them their accommodations as soon as possible because that's their right. Like, that's what play your levels of playing field so that they can be up to speed with the rest of their classmates and do well and they won't be held back. So always just look into it because you can really change their life if you get it worked out at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you had started to talk about it a little bit, but how has, uh, I guess, Texas Tech's that school helped you meet those um, needs? They've been really great. Um, Over the summer before our semester started, I got in touch with the disability services on main campus and you just send them like all your paperwork and they have like, to be diagnosed with dyslexia, you get tested. I'm not sure what profession tests you because they just came to my public school and tested me, but they have documents and um, you have to do it every couple of years. I did it once when I was first diagnosed and again in high school and they mark down all the things that show that you have dyslexia, and then you send in all those paperwork to your college you're applying to, or if you're taking a standardized test or going to professional school, and then they review your documents and then approve you, and then they approve the accommodations per class. So like currently I have extended time, which is like time and a half because I read slower, And then I have some leniency with spelling to a certain extent because I cannot spell very well. And so getting that approved at Texas Tech was great. Um, They sent me my paperwork and then they call it your bingo card here. And it's just a piece of paper that every single one of our professors has to sign and I have to sit down with them and tell them what my accommodations are and they sign it and then I turn it into our testing office here. And so, the going around and finding all, I'd probably say at least 10 professors mm-hmm. to get their signatures is a little difficult because we're all over the place. But everyone here has been so kind. And if I have any questions or concerns, they help me with it. And there's no um, disrespect or anything here. If I show them my accommodations, they happily give it to me and are, are very kind. And there's no judgment here, which is so great. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that even extends to our our classmates, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that, I mean, we all study together, so um, I don't think anyone's ever been upset if you've asked us to repeat something or Mm -hmm. to slow down a little bit so that you can, like, especially in anatomy, you know, Mm -hmm. with the different spellings and, um, and, like, if you change an I and it completely completely changes the whole, like, meaning of the word, you know. And so I think um, finding the people that, 
that support you mm-hmm. like through that is, is really important. Yeah, and y'all, y'all, my good friends and study buddies have been <laughs> so great and patient with me when I'm tired. I feel like my dyslexia is more severe, mm-hmm. and so I have mm-hmm. to have y'all repeat stuff, mm-hmm. and y'all do it with a smile on your face. I know you might want to just shake me a little bit sometimes, <laughs> but I love The only <laughs> time I've ever wanted to shake you <laughs> was for this last test when you kept saying it went in the... the the way, like, the digestive tract for the horses went into the left ventral colon mm-hmm. instead of the right ventral yeah. colon from the cecum. <laughs> but it's okay. We worked through okay, it. And we yeah. had to say it several times. But and, hey, you got that question mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah. So. And I know we'll go over there something and you'll just be like, I have to go write that down. And I'll yeah. just, re- like, write it over and over and over. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of my study habits, I guess. I have to visually see it like written and then I like to verbally say it too because I think the verbalization of it helps me remember and then writing it helps me prepare to write it on a test Mm -hmm. or prepare to read it Mm -hmm. on a test so that kind of goes into our next question is what advice can you give our listeners about overcoming learning challenges in a professional school I think talking with somebody else who has the same learning disability as you would help a lot with finding certain study tips and how to function in those classes and so or just talking to your teacher saying I have dyslexia or I have ADHD or whatever learning disability you have and they can help you with that they've been taught or told how to help students in that situation and for myself personally I like to write things down again or read it or listen to some another person have a conversation about it and I think that's helpful for me, but it's it's different per every person. And so you just have to try different study tips and habits to figure out what works the best for you. And it might take a while. I'm still learning some new stuff for med school. Yeah. In undergrad, did you study in groups like you do now, or did you study mainly by yourself? I studied with a small group. Shout out to Madison Davis at AM Vet School. She helped me get through undergrad, and we studied every day together. Um, we would quiz each other a lot and we would make like joint quizlets and we would do like practice math and we did OCHEM together and we would just sit down for hours and draw out all sorts of different OCHEM mechanisms and stuff. And I think small group for that really worked. Um, when we get into veterinary school where it's a, a lot more concepts or some stuff, I think you have to have multiple minds there to mm-hmm. think about all the different sides of how this could happen and all the different thoughts that you might not have thought of on your own. Yeah, I like that. Um, Having a group is is really nice and a lot of our classes now are conceptual based and there's one thing Carling would say or you'd say or I would and and it just helps kind of solidify that idea for everyone and, and it's really cool. Um, I know we had talked a little bit about it, but do you have any advice for parents um, with children that they suspect may have a learning disability and and maybe they're just having a little anxiety over going and getting the help that they need? Mm -hmm. I would say don't be anxious about it. I know that's easy to say, but I think just trying to get resources for your child is the most important thing. Try and get them tested as soon as possible. And like when I was tested in the first grade, I never knew like I was being tested. Like it was word games and like hearing a story and repeating what the story said or like can you write this down or like doing a puzzle it's basically like brain games kind Mm -hmm. of thing and then they're just like evaluating your answers and it's not like 
a paper written test or anything to be nervous about. Um, and so I wouldn't be worried for that. And again, if you get them the help, the sooner the better, because without my accommodations early on, I might not have done well in elementary school and would have been held back. And then that would affect my high school and so on. And just being a parent and saying like, you can do whatever you want. Like, don't think that you're dumb because you have a learning disability, I think is so important. And just having that support as a child is what makes you believe like, yeah, I can do anything I want. I just have to work hard at it. Mm -hmm. I like that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, because I mean, um, just because you have a learning disability doesn't mean that you're not smart. Mm -hmm. um, I met I met a bunch of people that, you know, have ADHD or dyslexia and, um, they can still be like very very smart people. I mean, I mean, you're here. You you've made it. You're you're getting good grades, and you're you're doing what what you want to do. It's just, you know, you may have to do something a little bit differently mm -hmm. or um, work a little bit harder. But uh, I mean, you wouldn't be here if you didn't love it. So yeah, yeah I think that's a really nice thing that um, there's options out there. Because I know back in the day there probably weren't as many options, and a lot of people went undiagnosed and. And in today's modern time, having a learning disability, you know, it's not as taboo anymore. Mm -hmm. It's it's more common than you think, and there's varying degrees of it. And so if you think, you know, there's anything different, or if you just wanted to go talk to a learning specialist about some cool study tips or some different ways, uh, I mean, everyone's mind is different and unique. So I'm really glad that you're able to get the help that you, um, that you needed, because, I mean, you're here, you're handpicked, like 10% of the people who applied got in and, mm -hmm. and uh, they chose you, Bailey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're I'm stuck here. with us. Yeah. No, I'm so For better I'm or here. for worse. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything else that you wanna talk about um, or any last little words? I think to everyone who is dyslexic or has a learning disability and you're in any type of professional program or in college or just in general, talk about it. Like, don't be afraid to tell people you're dyslexic or anything because it helps other dyslexic people or people with learning disabilities feel like they're not alone in this profession or whatever category of education you're in and that way they know it's possible and that they can keep trying to achieve things in academia and they're not it's not that they can't go far in the academic world I have just one more question for you um and in the future as a veterinarian what are some worries or anxieties you have since you'll be the doctor and I mean maybe you'll have another person working with you or you'll have your support staff uh, what kind of anxieties do you think you'll face or struggles? That's a good question. I do think when I was working, making sure when I was like doing morning rounds, showing up correct medications and stuff, I would double check myself at least three times. Like when I drew it up, when I put it in my little tote to go out to the barn and then before I gave it to the animal, make sure I had the right animal name, make sure I had the right dose and the right medication. And just stuff like that to double check that you didn't have a misspelling on something that could completely change your medication you're giving or the correct, incorrect dose, which is another form of dyslexia called dysgraphia, and it's where you rearrange numbers. 
and just stuff like that to double check yourself. And I know for myself personally, when I'm tired, I like makes all sorts of spelling mistakes that y'all have seen on my Quizlets. And so I just have to make sure that I'm like aware of what I'm doing and double check myself. And if there is somebody else around, and I feel like I might've made a mistake. I'm not afraid to ask them, hey, can you check this? I wanna make sure this is right. And I think the benefit with that, that everyone could kind of adapt into their practice in the future is, is just have people double check things, mm -hmm. have someone else's thing. eyes. Exactly. Because it could be the one difference if you were up at 3am doing a farm call and then you had to come in because you're the only doctor, it does not hurt to have your technician mm -hmm. or anyone uh, double check something to check your math, check your spelling, check what drugs you're ordering. Um, so I think that's a benefit for you because you already have that mindset of I need to be double sure, like mm -hmm. extra mm -hmm. correct. For sure, yes. for sure. And I think anyone around you, you know, like, or I mean around all of us in a clinic, mm -hmm. like if you ask to double check, like they shouldn't give you sass about it, <laughs> you know? No. Like it, it's, it's a very important thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably something in the vet industry we should try to do more often. Mm -hmm. um, I know when I worked as a tech, it was, I mean, go, go, go all the time. Mm -hmm. And luckily me and my vet were able to double check each other. But um, beyond that, I mean, we didn't have anyone else backing, mm -hmm. backing us up on, on double checking things. Yeah. So if we messed up, I mean, that was on mm -hmm. us. And I think because I was so worried about it and that being my first time in the clinic, I would over check. Like I yeah. would be checking yeah. so many times just to ensure that like, okay, this is correct. But it did help me remind myself to check other people who are just starting mm -hmm. or who were new at drawing up medications and interpreting how to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's a definitely a good quality to have a little bit of paranoia that you might mess up just so that you don't mess up. Yeah. I agree. I think I remember when I was first learning how to do drug calculations, and there's a couple drugs that are really tricky. You just have to take out your pen and paper and write things down and have people check it. And, mm -hmm. and the cool thing, at my old job um, in undergrad, they had like a QVEX machine that you had to put your thumbprint in and then also type in a code and have someone else type in a code just to make sure you got the correct drug for the correct patient. So I know that's kind of impractical in a rural setting, but I thought that was pretty neat. And so having like an accountability system between your coworkers and stuff would probably be a good replacement for yeah. that. But when it's your own clinic and you're, you're the boss, you know, you mm -hmm. can make those rules. Heck yeah. So. Um, so do you have anything else you wanted to say? Any shout no, outs? I'm just glad that I have this opportunity to talk about this and to help feel other people with learning disabilities, help them feel a little bit more welcome in the professional program here. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And, and we're so appreciative you came on here. And I know our listeners will be too, um, because I, I, yeah, learning disability doesn't stop you from doing anything. At mm -hmm. the end of the day, you're the only person that stands in your way. Mm -hmm. And I think you're one of the most motivated people I've met. And anyone in our class here could tell you, you know, that you're going to be just as amazing of a colleague mm -hmm. as anyone else. Yeah. Well, and talk about motivation. Like we, you came to us and <laughs> yeah. said, like, I want to talk about this yeah. um, when we were first talking about starting a podcast. And um, I mean, that just fueled more topics that we were um, 
we were thinking about having people on for. So, and I, and when you mentioned it, uh, I mean, I know I said this earlier, but like, I've never heard of anyone talking about having Mm -hmm. dyslexia, like in a professional program. So I just, I like, that's one of the reasons that me and Caitlin wanted to start this podcast is to have people come on to talk about things that, that aren't talked about or, um, or maybe more of a, a personal thing, not, not mm-hmm. a professional um, side of the vet, uh, being in vet school. Because, so. I mean, life isn't cookie cutter. No, it's And not. especially when you're in vet med. So I thought this was a great opportunity, and, and we're so glad to have had you on here. You yeah, said well, some really amazing y'all. things. Yeah. Um, to finish out our episode, we always are, we are going to start ending with our win for the week. We actually have one this week. <laughs> Woo! Yes. <laughs> Aside from just surviving, (laughs) my win for the week uh, is that in less than a month, really like two weeks, uh, one of my best friends is getting married, and I'm in the wedding, and I'm so excited to celebrate with them, so that'll be nice, and uh, spring break will be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spring breaks. What about you, Bailey? excited about it. My mom is coming to town this weekend, and we have a long weekend, so I'm I'm looking forward to that and just getting to sleep in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> how long up on sleep. has it been since you've seen your mom? Um, early January when the semester started, and yeah. my parents are both in Mississippi, which is where they're from, so I don't really get to go home during the semester, so it's nice. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a good weekend. No, it will be a nice, refreshing weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, my win for the week is I was able to get my wedding dress altered, <laughs> so it's uh, starting to actually fit me. Yes. <laughs> it was a little big before, um, and then I also am getting my mom's wedding dress altered so that I can wear that for our rehearsal dinner um, the day before we get married. So um, my seamstress is like an angel, and she's just, when I told her about the idea for my mom's dress, she was like, I may not even charge you. <laughs> I've never heard of somebody doing that, but I thought that was amazing. She just loves sewing so much, and she was like, I just love this idea, and I love making old things new, and um, I wanted to have a little bit of my mom with me, um, at least on the day before or some point during my wedding weekend. It'll be cool to see you in your mom's dress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so I'm excited about it. Um, It's becoming a little bit more real that I'm getting married. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's kind of crazy. Word of advice, don't plan a wedding in vet school from Carling. It's a little stressful. Um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably have another episode on yeah. that. We'll have a whole episode, but, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe don't. <laughs> well, everyone, we just wanted to kind of bring some light to learning disabilities and challenges in, um, I guess professional school. It doesn't have to be just vet school. And, and just to know that there are resources available, there is a community for you, um, that is going to help fight you to get all of the accommodations you need and give you some really good resources. Um, So hopefully you enjoyed this episode and if you know somebody that's struggling with a learning disability, uh, please send this to them. We'd appreciate it and hopefully Bailey uh, answered some good questions for him, gave him some good advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you have some extra questions for Bailey, um, you can reach out to us on our email at dvmloadingpodcasts at gmail uh and then as always if you could give us a like and a follow that would be amazing yep well this is the girls of dv and loading signing out have a good week and wreck them